Hello listeners, this is Matt from Uncanny Treks, and I want to take a moment to tell you about our brand new Patreon at patreon.com slash uncannytreks. On our Patreon, we offer lots of exclusive content in multiple tiers, including access to our brand new Patreon-exclusive podcast, X-Men 92 vs. Young Justice. On this podcast, we follow the same format as B5 vs. DS9, but with an entirely new focus on reliving the nostalgia of 90s X-Men animated series and comparing it to the fast-paced action of Young Justice. Both of these animated series have recently been renewed for new seasons, so we felt it was a great time to return to these two comic book-based properties. If you're interested in subscribing, please visit us at patreon.com slash uncannytreks. You can always reach out to us on Twitter at uncannytreks. Enjoy the show, and as always... Thank you for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Galaxy's Greatest Podcast about the two great 90s space station shows, Babylon 5 versus DS9. We are a part of Uncanny Treks, but today we are not trekking through Babylon 5 versus DS9. We're instead doing a bonus episode on the mid-season premiere of Star Trek Prodigy, Season 1, Episode 6, Kobayashi, which aired on Three Kings Day in 2022. How you doing tonight, Matt? Eh, doing all right. Uh... Glad I guess Prodigy's back. In- very interesting episode. Are you glad, Matt? I, I kind of am. I was kind of getting bored with Discovery. <laughs> Season okay, of- okay. Can I start with like a general question before we go into the specifics? Sure. It, do you think it's a good sign for the health of either show of Discovery or Prodigy that they've kind of broken them up like they have on Paramount Plus? I don't think so. I, I I think it's just I don't know if it was just a production issue or if it has something to do with COVID. I don't know. It's weird. Like I don't know why they would do that this way. I do know that Picard, I believe, has been like pushed back again. I think. Yeah, it said like there were apparently like some pretty serious COVID issues on set, right? Right. I, I, yeah, I, that's I don't know. that's unfortunate. I hope everyone's okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of of two minds on it, because on the one hand, like, it feels like it's happening very abruptly and unannounced, and that doesn't feel like it's a necessarily a good thing for either show. But on the other hand, I was talking with uh, my buddy Alan, um, our, uh, our, our premier supporter on Patreon, much love to my buddy Alan, um, and I was kind of noting that I think the incentives are a little different on streaming than normal TV. So you kind of want to like stretch people's out, stretch people out on their subscriptions for as many months as you can, right? And so in that sense, like maybe mixing it up does make economic sense. You might want to have like the Discovery people, even if they're not necessarily going to watch Prodigy because it's a children's show, you know, stick around for another month or two to get the end and vice versa. That does make sense, but man, that's like slimy business (laughs) oh i mean paramount plus is nothing but slimy business i remember the last time i tried to cancel my subscription oh my god Uh oh i wish i just kind of kept on with prodigy for a while and then done discovery then i could just kind of shift gears instead i'm like shifting gears and shifting gears back into this and i'm like "Eh." 
one thing I'm going to note about this episode and the episodes of Discovery and even Lower Decks, there's a lot of common like themes, especially with this one, like with the uh, Kabayashi Maru. Is that what he said? I'm saying right. Yeah, yeah. Like that was a whole. That was the title of one of the Discovery episodes, and that was the whole point of the. I think the uh, the pilot. Oh, not the pilot. The uh, first episode of the season. The premiere. Yeah. Yeah. The premiere. Yeah. Yeah. No, the shows are repeating themselves entirely too much. Yeah, it's it's weird. I don't think we've yeah. seen that before. <laughs> it's like I turns out maybe you know having like five Star Trek shows is too much. <laughs> maybe you could get by on one or two or three. <laughs> like, yeah, it is. It is. It's a weird time to be a Star Trek fan for sure, just because of how much is available. I feel like it's going to saturate the uh, it's, it's it's fan base with yeah Kobayashi nice, Maru that, stories. That's a nice way to say it. Saturate the fan base. <laughs> Sounds awful. <laughs> I, I frequently feel saturated, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's just because I uh, need to cut down on my weight. So, uh, but anyway, right. th- yeah. This, this we'll was... come back to a few of these other issues, but I guess we should go ahead and plunge into the episode itself, huh? Yeah. Or actually, uh, before we do that, I did want to ask. So I, I haven't watched the last two uh, episodes of Discovery, so you're still just kind of meh on them. I haven't watched them either. The last episode. Oh, you haven't either. No, the last one oh, okay. I watched was the one with uh, uh, what's her name? Tilly leaves the ship. Tilly leave Tilly leaving the ship. I think it was the one after that. I don't remember what happened though because it was okay. I, the last one I saw was Tilly leaves the ship, and then I, there's two after that, I believe. Oh, so, okay. Maybe you're, that... you're missing one. I'm missing two. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, listeners, we might check back in with the Discovery catch up, but. On the other hand, we're kind of busy with the two podcasts, and if we're doing bonus episodes on Prodigy, and we're not that inspired by Discovery, so who knows? Yeah. (laughs) All right. So I will say at the start of the Prodigy episode, I really had kind of forgotten, speaking to the kind of abruptness of breaking up the seasons, I'd kind of forgotten where episode five had left off. I think I'd remembered like the episode four cliffhanger being the cliffhanger. And was expecting them to still be on that planet from episode four, but um, you know I was wrong, and so instead, you know they've activated the proto stars proto drive, and they're now in the gamma quadrant. Yeah, they escaped the planet, and like Mara Jade's father was on the planet, or whatever. Emperor Palpatine, yes. Emperor Palpatine, yeah, he was on the planet. So since we're now in the Gamma Quadrant, does that uh, vindicate your uh, theory that uh, Murph is a really a baby changeling? Yeah, the one thing that doesn't vindicate my theory that Murph is a baby changeling is when he eats those photon grenades and he doesn't die. Is there like an episode of DS9 where Odo does something similar? Uh, Nothing comes to mind, but I mean, there entirely could be that I'm not thinking of. Yeah, I googled Odo bomb and absolutely nothing cool comes up, so I mean, I I don't think it happened. Did you google Odo grenade? Odo grenade, Odo eats a bomb. I need to check it out. I, I, I don't remember this happening, like, ever. I also like imagining, because of your Googling, because, you know, Odo is, I believe, Latin for nothing, <laughs> that you're now on, like, an NSA surveillance list as some sort of a nihilist terrorist. <laughs> yeah, or it's some, like, underground band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it, Like, if Mr. Nobody from the Doom Patrol started a, started a group of terrorists, it would kind of sound like that, I imagine. We are Odo Bomb. Odo Bomb. (laughs) (laughs) You got you got to say it in that German accent. That really ties it together. (laughs) Oh man! And then, 
I also did want to say that I guess my theory or the theory I, I, I decided to, to, to defend from somebody on Twitter that, you know, they were in the Delta Quadrant and that these are like the children of people who got stranded there from the Alpha Quadrant now is beginning to make sense because we, I think, for the first time had confirmation they were in the Delta Quadrant. But it still doesn't really explain the show because, like, the kids have never heard of the Federation or Starfleet, but they do know what Klingons are. That just, that still just doesn't make any sense. Maybe their parents were the original crew of the Protostar Bomb. Wouldn't that be cool? Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> it all hurts so much, Matt. And, it all hurts so much. And they're all so proud of what they've accomplished. Uh, so one of the things that was sort of uh, leading to my confusion was at first I thought they kind of left Murph behind on the planet from episode five. But no, nah, it, it turns out he's chilling on a holodeck program. It's uh, the holodeck program of Andoria 4, which is the homeworld of the Andorians, which uh, we did see, although I guess you didn't see in Enterprise season four. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did I just figured it was a cold place. Yeah, no, that's where the blue people come from, Matt. He was hanging out on Hoth or something. I don't know. Andoria 4 is much cooler than Hoth. You take that back. <laughs> <laughs> the, so there was a lot of kind of Star Trek fan service in this episode. I would say far more in this episode than any other episode of the show. And some of it was pretty cool, especially... Early on in the, with the holodeck, we get to see a, a skydiving program of SETI Alpha 5, which uh, honestly looks a lot nicer than it seemed in Wrath of Khan. you got to give it credit for that. <laughs> well, yeah. It's animated, Bob. Of course it does. Yeah, that's the difference, Matt. That's the difference. <laughs> and then we the show does make a, at least to me, kind of charming callback to the fact that Janeway loves gothic 19th century novels. So, you know, Janeway puts... Um, uh, puts the the Tellarite and Doll into uh, you know a simulation of both Dracula and Jane Eyre. Both of those were pretty charming. I thought. Um, did all these uh, hollow deck scenarios make you think of that lower decks episode? I excretus. Um, these not as much, but what gave me really I excretus vibes was was the same thing you kind of flagged when. Dahl wouldn't give up on the Kobayashi Maru test in the same way that Boimler was obsessive about running that Borg scenario. Yeah, yeah, that was the same. It's got the same feelings. Just... Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just for the record, I think Ike's Greatest is the much superior. I mean, I Lower Decks is far and away, I, I think in some ways, the only good new Star Trek show, I hate to say at this point. Yeah. Um, and just, it, it does this premise far and away better than Prodigy, I have to say. I will say this though, Bob. Okay, if this is a this is meant to be a kid's show and kind of introducing them to Star Trek, having a whole episode dedicated to what the holodeck is and how it works, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. And I mean, it is kind of, um, kind of interesting to think about the holodeck as like a pedagogical tool or an educational tool as opposed to like the recreational tool gone wrong that we usually see in Voyager and, and uh, Next Generation. Yeah. So while this yeah. is going on in the holodeck and uh, Dahl's running the, the Kayobashi Maru test over and over and over again. Kobayashi Maru. Ko oh my God. Kayobashi. Oh, that's like Japanese food. Isn't Jesus. It? Sorry. <laughs> uh, Murph, Murph, of course, is eating photon grenades and then Mara Jade is depressed. So... Got yeah, a lot of other things yeah. going on. 
And then we learn a nice little interesting fact about the Medusans that they have a hive mind, which is not something we knew, but it mean it makes sense given that they're telepathic energy beings. That does make sense. I mean, I, it's it fits. Uh, All right. So, are you ready to uh, tackle the controversial subject that I think we tend to disagree with most of Twitter about, Matt? Yeah. Uh, these voices of the the dead actors just. Uh... It's weird. <laughs> yeah. I like I I will say that in some ways doing an animated recreation of a dead actor doesn't bother me as much as doing a CGI of one in a live action. It it doesn't feel as disrespectful. And especially given it's the context of them being holograms for this, you know, exercise. Like that doesn't feel so wrong, but it, I don't know. It just seems kind of wrong to use recordings of three dead actors and one actor who is kind of very old and I think in not great health. And then I, I guess they did get new voice work from Gates McFadden as Dr. Crusher, but you know, Leonard Nimoy, Jim Doohan, Renee Aubergines and Michelle Nichols are all just, they're just using recordings from prior episodes. And yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, it was kind of weird. I, 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 the voices, I don't know. It sounded like it was like listening to ghosts. <laughs> it's kind of yeah, yeah. There's know, just I, like I guess that's the best. There's way to just something it. uncanny and unseemly about it. Like, and you know, I, I, I assume that this was done out of respect for those departed people, but I don't know. I mean, it's in a commercial product. It, it's kind of doing a fan service thing, and I just, I just don't think it's what you want your stuff to be doing. Yeah, and and I'll make a comparison to another show that did something kind of similar, and this will probably get me some flack, but there was an episode of South Park where uh, after they made fun of Scientology, the uh, Isaac Hayes who played Chef refused to like oh, yeah, do any yeah. more voice work, so they. T- <laughs> They cut. They left Chef in the episode, but they just cut together dialogue from previous episodes, and that was like the first thing that popped in my head when I started watching this. I was like, it has that same like, it it just doesn't line up correctly. It doesn't seem like it's you know, it doesn't work. It does, their voices don't line up with the animation, and it just throws you completely off it. Like because you, you know it's just a sound recording from. You know the original the, the original series when Leonard Nimoy's talking, or from the movies when James Doohan's talking. Like I could even like pinpoint the uh, the DS Nine. I think Renee when Renee was speaking. Yeah, I think Memory Alpha breaks down to where all the lines come from. Yeah, yeah, and I guess it's kind of interesting because there's the kind of like there's the moral issue, and then there's the technical issue, right? Of right. like. Should they even do this at all? I tend to think they shouldn't. And then there's the technical issue of like, how well is it done? And I think, I don't think because of like poor performance on the Prodigy team's part, I think just because of the quality of the recordings, like, you know, the, it's just very variable and it just sounds very kind of off especially on the Spock lines, I noticed the Spock lines. And I think the Uhura lines feel very kind of right. Off. Yeah. And that's because, I mean, the, the the audio is so old. I mean, it's just like, yeah, there's only so yeah. much you can do with that definition of audio. audio. So the, what, what, let me ask you this, though. 
I think it would have been fine had they taken the dude they had who played Spock in Discovery and just had him like do the Leonard do the do the Spock. Like why not have him do the voice? Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like Or get Simon Pegg to do the uh the Scotty. I'm not I'm not really a big fan of re I'm not really a big fan of recasting either. Uh I mean I'm not I'm not like viscerally bothered when new Spock is on um Discovery like I am by this. But I don't know. I just I kind of I just kind of think when you have characters who are so closely identified with actors like these when the actors go or age out of doing it, that should just kind of be it. it I think it's a nice sign of respect. Yeah. But, uh, it, and of course, I could have picked living people, too, just to, you know, like they did yeah. with Gates McFadden. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's great to see Gates McFadden involved in New Trek in a way, and, you know, you kind of, yeah, it just, it just kind of feel very weird to have, like, her, you know, only one like active actor amidst the five characters you chose to show up. Yeah, I will say this though: I'm like, when this thing becomes a reality, it's gonna be pretty badass. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I I don't know, man. It's it's just so depressing because I think it's yeah. There's just a human inabil- inability to accept loss, to accept death, and it, it's just gonna as VR technology gets better, like. You know, the way that people service, you know, fans' collective mourning for, like, lost stars and just for individuals, you know, on loss of, like, family members, friends, loved ones, pets. It's it's just going to go in some deeply unhealthy places, and I'm I'm really bothered by it. Yeah. Uh, It's going to be a cool video game, Bob. It's going to be cool. All right, so oh, let's let's move away from this very I mean, sad. It's kind of hard to move on from that. It's, it's such <laughs> so we'll a just end the episode. No, I'm kidding. So, let, <laughs> so let's talk for a minute though about uh, Janeway and the issue she has in this episode, the hologram. Janeway really, she uncovers that this that the protostar was not her first ship. Apparently, I guess they are not. Her this memories. was not her first crew. Her first crew. Protostar. Yeah. Oh, on the protostar. Okay. Somehow I missed that part. I thought. They had just erased all her, like, well, no, because that wouldn't have made any sense either, because she talked about Voyager before. I don't know. So, yeah, so apparently Chekotay... Well, I mean, in in an important sense, Voyager wasn't her ship, right? Because she is Janeway, but she's also not Janeway. But, yeah, I I think the way they said it, unless I'm misremembering, is that it's the, this crew is not her first crew on the Protostar. Okay, I think you're right. So that makes more sense. So was Chekotay the captain of the protostar at this point chicote oh my god I'm horrible oh my name, god chicote chicote <laughs> how, how many times in your life have you heard chicote and kobayashi i don't know probably a million but i just don't my, my brain doesn't pick it up i mean i get it with new ones i wouldn't make fun of you with new ones but i probably have some undiagnosed you... brain issue bob I probably got a tumor and you're making fun of it <laughs> Yes, I I hope you do. That would be hilarious. I'm just kidding. That wouldn't be hilarious. Let me make sure my my tumor doesn't let me remember names. Anyway, um, it's a very specific type of tumor. Um, but um, yeah, I, I did think it was kind of well. Even though I was complaining about you know how they did the holograms of the other 
uh, actors. I did think it was actually kind of clever that our first sight of Captain Chakotay is him as a hologram, you know, given that, you know, we've been working with Holly Janeway. I thought that was actually fairly well done. And, you know, it's nice to see Robert Beltran back. Um, I hope they do better by him in this show than they did in Voyager. I think he was not really pleased with how his character was done in Voyager and I think that's kind of understandable so yeah that's why I was surprised you know. I saw him on this because I was like I figured he'd be the, like, the last ones to show up because he apparently hated like he hated being on Voyager they didn't do anything with him I mean honestly probably the the money's better and the work's easier for this yeah it's true I mean it's just voice work and it's only 10 episodes a year versus you know 24 and <laughs> like gotta be there every week so this Riding. season, so this season, we're gonna pretty much learn. I'm, I'm guessing the origins of the protostar. Hopefully, by it the season finale, certainly seems seems like it. Yeah, yeah. I but yeah, it, it is a pretty pretty cool tease of Captain Chakotay, and then I guess two other little minor things I'd note. I, I really didn't enjoy uh, the Tellarite Jenkum Pog's mutiny chant on the Kobayashi. That really cracked me up. Um, and I'm, I don't laugh at the show very much, so that was nice. And uh, But they did do the uh, hard rock trick from uh, the J.J. movies on the holodeck and the Kobayashi Maru, which I really hated. <laughs> so uh, one, one question I do have, though, would Dahl have actually completed the Kobayashi Maru had he not put his feet up on the, uh, on the comm panel or whatever? No, because it always would have been another complication. Gotcha. They just would have added something else. Okay. Yeah. Just making yeah. sure. I, I know there are books and stuff that have been written, like there are novels and stuff that tie in with this whole thing. And I just didn't know if that was something that else that. Yeah. Yeah. No, as I understand it, the way it's written, unless you reprogram it like Kirk, there's no way to beat it in because like the algorithm will just add a new complication. Okay. That makes sense. All right. Yeah. So yeah. I did want to say one other, ask kind of one other question. We already kind of talked about the weirdness of like, you know, half a season of Prodigy, half a season of Disco, half a season of Prodigy, presumably half a season of Disco. But, but did you think it was kind of interesting or weird that, you know, even though there were some Star Trek references in the first, uh, what, five episodes, there weren't that many. And then to, so to go away and then to come back on this, which is like, you know, even without the, uh, the you know, the kind of questionable holodeck recreation of the actors, like, you know, really the most like Star Trek saturated episode they've ever done. What did you think about that decision to kind of come back on that? I mean, maybe they thought it would be a good way to get, if, if people decided to give it a shot at this episode, maybe they'd watch it and think it was going to be full yeah. of that stuff. Maybe, because, like maybe we said they before, assumed the hardcores are watching Discovery and said this is a way to get the hardcores. Yeah, because like the previous episodes, like we've said in the, in the other bonus episodes, they're like Star Wars. I mean, it's... Yeah. They don't have that. There's some Star Trek, but it's not, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it feels a lot more like I think we thought episode three and four were more trekky, but yeah, yeah, on the whole, on the whole, very much like Star Wars. Yeah. All right. So next episode drops next week. So we'll be sure to review that and give you a, our in-depth analysis. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully less of a downer. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody else is excited about this episode, Bob. Yeah, what's wrong with us, Matt? Why are we broken? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this has been Babylon 5 versus DS9, the galaxy's greatest podcast about the two great 90s space station shows. We are part of Uncanny Treks. Tonight we were doing a bonus episode on Star Trek Prodigy. We'll probably be back next week with another Star Trek Prodigy bonus episode. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs>